Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Time now for the DenverSports.com front page. Stop what you're doing and listen. Taking a look at the top stories in Denver sports taken from your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. What in the name of Dan Issel? With today's DenverSports.com front page, here's Schlereth and Evans. There we go. Well, after all of the debate last year that got really nasty and really embarrassing for the tenor of the conversation as it developed over the course of the uh, basketball season, is it shaping up to be a Nikola Jokic MVP cruise to an MVP this year? Now that Joel Embiid... Uh, is out with a torn meniscus in his knee, will undergo a procedure that will keep him out for an extended amount of time. He is not going to be eligible for the MVP. He is not an MVP candidate. So as of right now, it would appear that Nikola Jokic... It's Nikola and everybody else. So he's going to, what, cruise to another MVP? uh, Just for Zach, it's not Nikola and everybody else 1A. It's not one and one A. It's Nicola, and everybody else is a distant second or third. Right. Okay. Right. Just, exactly. I just want, we have to clarify. Nicola Jokic is number one. Uh huh. There's no one A, no right. one B. In fact, there's a long gap until you even get to two. Right. Okay. Yes. It's not injected even, into my veins. There's not even a one A. Just a one, and that is uh, Nicola Jokic. You think? Um, I, I guess I have. So little respect for Joel Embiid's boo rating, balls over opponent, that I just kind of wonder if part of him is just like, he's good with all this. Because now he's got a built-in excuse. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, listen. What am I going to do? What can I do? I got hurt. Wasn't my fault. Right? By the way, did I not tell you last week as soon as he had that injury that he would have to have, it's not a procedure, it's surgery. And that he would be out the rest of the season. It's minor surgery. Not for him. It's a major, major deal. Yeah, but this isn't something that should keep him out for the rest of the season. I think the idea is that he should be back for the playoffs, probably. If they snipped it out, I'd be back in a day. Oh, boy. Well, nobody's as tough as you are, Mark. Good point. Okay. I know that that's what you were fishing for. No, 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 no. We've established that nobody's tougher than you. Right. Back surgery on a Sunday, Mm -hmm. playing on a following week. That's her back surgery. Well, I didn't do that after back surgery, but yeah. uh, No, my my point was. after back surgery, didn't you? Yeah. Pretty quickly? Yeah. The quickest in the history of the league. Uh, There you go. Um. But no, 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 no. I, what I was saying is that I think Embiid is going to have it repaired, which would put him out. To the best of my knowledge, it, like, I'm almost a doctor. I'm so close. Oh, I bet. I'm a few credits short. I bet you have. I'm a few credits short you of being an orthopedic surgeon. You have real life experience. Um, but if he has it, but he if he has it, I'm assuming he's going to have it repaired. And if he has it repaired, there's no way he plays again this season. Zero chance. Okay. That would be my medical opinion, and I'm practically a doctor. You're, you're, uh, I, I, you nailed, totally nailed what's going on with Gabe Landeskog to a T mm-hmm. before the 
this this last diagnosis came out. Yeah, you called it and you were right. And uh, by the way, because of what you know about that, quick tangent. Mm-hmm. Gabe's gonna be with the team during this road trip. Gonna spend some time with the team with the road on the road trip. Do you think he comes back this year? No, no, not a chance. So what 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 are we seeing here? What what is this? Is this just, well, this uh, is, just is this a tease? Is this no? Uh, this is just having you are, are the abs are the abs unnecessarily and almost mean meanly teasing their fans? No, this is, is just, something that's not going to happen. No, this is just bringing your captain around. The boys, eh? You know, maybe have a few bold ones, eh? Yeah, this is just pure team camaraderie. Kind of like when they took the mom's trip to Vegas. You All know? Right, so when we see video, and we'll probably see video during mm-hmm. this road trip of him out there on the ice, doing a little skating, doing some drills, stuff like that. Don't read too much into it. No. Don't get your hopes up high if you're nope. an ass fan. New. No. New? No? Okay. Zero. Okay. Zero. Zero chance. Zero chance. Zero chance. Okay. That's a doctor, folks. That is a doctor. He knows what he's talking about. Cecil Lammy knows what he's talking about after being at the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl. And his view of the three quarterbacks that were talked about the most as potential Broncos. Uh, Safe to say that Cecil not a big Michael Penix fan. Cecil writes, Penix did not wow scouts in Mobile. He Mobile. He wowed some in the media, but there is a huge difference in evaluations. The media liked what he did in practice because Penix's game is built to shine in a practice setting. But that's not how football is played. Cecil writes, quarterbacks need to perform under pressure and they need to make things happen when the play is not clean. <laughs> wow. Cecil said, I said during the week that Penix would be a Hall of Fame player in the NFL if it was a seven-on-seven league. Mm. Yikes. So he's not a big Penix fan. Knicks. What he said about Bo Nix. Uh, he did improve as the week of practice went on, but his footwork needs a lot of work. Uh, if he gets thrust into starting too early, it could jeopardize his long-term success. Yeah, the problem with the problem with a guy like Bo Nix, though, is that if you draft him at the end of the first round, certainly in the second round, you can you can move his his development along slowly. You draft a, you draft him at twelve, right? You how do you possibly sit on him? It's not like you got Alex Smith starting for a twelve win football team, and you can sit Patrick Mahomes for a year. How in the world could the Broncos right. draft a quarterback at twelve and not play him right away? No, you have to. You have to have a guy that comes in here that was a former first rounder that ends up just really shining through camp and really shining early, and you start off a on a four zero run or whatever, and and he becomes your guy. Then it becomes a smart, you know, draft and develop pick. But heck, if you start one and three, then all of a sudden, you know, you're gonna hear it. I don't know. You know you know how it works around here, especially if it's as bad as it's been around here. You draft a quarterback at 12 and then try to sell this fan base on, hey, it'll be best for him to sit for a while mm-hmm. behind sure. Gardner Minshew or somebody. Well, or Jacoby Brissett. Come on. Every time there's going to be a three and out, they're going to be hooting and hollering from the 500 section at mile high. 
Do you think Sean Payton cares? Who's doing the hoot and the holler? I'm not saying he cares. I'm just saying that uh, it's just going to create a very awkward, tense environment around here. Why can't I be happy? Yeah, I don't. And by the way, Sean indicated I being around and following Sean this year like we did. Mm-hmm. I think what people say about him does matter. To even, him, yeah. Even admitted it. The idea that being on Hard Knocks might not be the worst thing because people could actually see what goes on behind the scenes, and that he actually is a funny, engaging guy. <laughs> he's trying to set up his sitcom career when he's done. <laughs> so. I think he nah. does care. All right. Anyway, it'd be... Come on, but you you know this fan base well enough to know that if they draft a quarterback at 12 and then try to sell people that, hey, it's going to be best for this guy to sit for a year or most of the year while we play fill-in-the-blank veteran, it's going to be ugly. Nah. For every three and out, every interception, it, it just every loss. If you win, it won't be. I know. Okay. But... What are the odds of that happening? Odds of winning? Winning. Like, if the idea is, hey, we drafted Bo Nix, but we've got uh, Jacoby Brissett here as a bridge quarterback, what are the odds that they start 5-1 and and have everybody quiet about? Because Jacoby Brissett doesn't do anything for me. All right, give me a guy. Sam Darnold. Oh, Sam Darnold. This is former number three overall. See, I don't. don't Isn't it all about just the first? All you have to have is a first rounder. I don't think he's the first guy from the 2018 draft class to play in the Super Bowl. Put it this way: coveted draft class that was going to revolutionize football. If Sean Payton identified Sam Darnold enough to go out and pay him to come here, it would be with the idea that he would be the guy. Yeah, in Sean's mind, and he wouldn't even draft a quarterback at 12. By the way, did you see any of the reports that Baker's going to get 40 million bucks a year? And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I mean, I love Baker. Good luck with that, Tampa. You know, me and Baker have become tight. tight. I saw the picture when you guys did a game. Yeah, we're we've become tight. We're practically best friends. Um, but if I was in charge of the purse strings, forty would be a little too rich for my blood. It's the going rate, isn't it? Is that the going rate for starting? Established for a starting established quarterback in is, the NFL is forty million a year. Geno Smith got what twenty some on. Yeah, Geno Smith is my going rate for a Baker. If if Tampa gives him a let, all right, prove let's it, say prove it if deal. they gave him a like a two year eighty million dollar contract, all guaranteed. No. No one. No. Two years, 80 million, 60 of it guaranteed? Dude, that's just a Oof. lot. For a guy who, I, I mean, I like Baker Mayfield, but he guy was nine and eight. Yeah. Right? Nine yeah. and eight. Yeah. And you lost your offensive staff that they went to Carolina. Yeah, I, that's just a little too rich for my blood. Uh, James Merrillat at denversports.com writing that it's time to start questioning Tad Boyle's underachieving buffs. Watch yourself. <laughs> just, just watch yourself, okay? You got to look on your face like you're ready to say something that 
I'm going to find cringy. You're going to regret. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to rescue you or us. <laughs> I can just tell. I know that look. I know that look. Now, so while, part far, of, while part of me is intrigued to hear what you're going to say, part of me thinks it just might be a good idea if you just zip it. So far, I've said a lot of things that I was waiting for Johnny to dump, and he hasn't dumped them. So I feel I'm feeling like you're, I'm like like Baker. I'm feeling well, dangerous. You're feeling dangerous right now. I'm feeling dangerous. Feeling a little frisky. Yeah. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. So um, in the wake of CU losing over the weekend to uh, Utah, CU is currently tied for the Utes in fifth place in the Pac-12. And uh, the idea being that uh, should we be expecting more uh, from Tad Boyle since 2016? Uh, Boyle's team has made the big dance just one time. And during his decade and a half, 15 years in Boulder, uh, the Buffs are just 2-5 and five in tournament play. And they've never advanced beyond the first weekend. Mm. Uh, in this case, James, here, here. Uh, I, I think that because Tad Boyle is a very likable guy and because the expectations for CU basketball have been so low for so long... That there's just sort of a, hey, you know, do the best you can and good job with whatever you you were able to you give think us. CU. I think CU should, there, there's no reason. When I look around college basketball and I see some of the programs that are able to make sweet 16 runs, the fact that they haven't been able to do it under Tab Boyle uh, is... Is underachieving the, the, and it isn't good enough, especially this year. You got right. Cody Williams, who's projected to be the number one overall pick of the draft, NBA draft this year. Do you, you got to be doing more? Do you need somebody that is more dynamic that can piggyback off of the success and the and just the the eyeballs that Deion Sanders has brought to that program? Well, that's a great point because now. With what Dion's done and how he's turned things around so quickly and shown that even CU football, which was arguably the worst program in all of college football the year before, can climb to the heights that they did this past year, then why can't the other programs at CU do that? And if you can't, then maybe you got to get somebody else in here who can make that kind of impact. I, I, I do feel like there's a there's an opportunity you know, like to strike while the iron's hot. Right. And I do also feel like that fifth place for CU was fine for years and years and years. They were they were okay with that. Mm-hmm. CU was okay with that. But I think the standards have changed since Dion got here. And you know, I mean, Dion showing up to the the basketball like that's those are big. That's a big time. There's just a there's a big time nature or atmosphere that he has created at CU, and I just believe you got to piggyback on that. Even if Dion wasn't here, I would still have higher expectations for this program than what we've had delivered to us uh, over the years. There's just there's just no reason why um, over the course of over a decade and a half that you can't have more success. Right. I mean, this but is I, not I, this, I this this isn't some college basketball wasteland that you have no chance to recruit to and get players to come here and play. It shouldn't be. I do believe that they were in this. Uh how do you say the word? Malaise? Mm-hmm. Based on their football program being, for two decades, essentially non-existent. That nobody was screaming about, you know, lack of achievement or whatever. And I think that has, they have woken up. That has changed. And hey, let's face it, big-time athletics, 
create big time opportunities. And what do they say that that Dion being there and and just that atmosphere has created in revenue over a couple hundred million dollars or something like that? They had a report the other day. Was it maybe a hundred and forty million dollars? I can't remember what exactly oh, it was. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was something like uh, like generated one hundred and fifty million bucks something or something like, like that. that. Yeah, some crazy just like media value. Yeah, advertising value. Yeah, yeah. and so. Again, you you got to be able to understand the value of athletics and the value of creating that atmosphere and a winner. And even though they didn't win at CU, nobody expected them to go from one win to you know eight wins. Now their expectations are higher now, but yeah, that's I think it's a I think it's a reasonable question to ask. That'll do it for the uh, DenverSports.com front page. Bring that to you each and every morning at uh, eight o'clock. Some of the best uh, stuff at. Well, it's all good, but some of the uh, highlighted stuff at denversports.com. Constantly updated throughout the course of the day and constantly free to you. Uh, some reaction on the RamosLaw.com uh, text line. Uh, you guys don't understand how contracts work. These guys have earned the money they are getting paid. Doesn't have anything to do with your feelings. So you think Baker Mayfield has earned yeah. a $40 million a year Multi-year contract. That that's a, that's that's somebody who doesn't understand. He maybe I don't understand contracts, but you don't understand football. So maybe you're just a contract guy, but you don't understand football. Nine and eight, and you know had highs and lows, uh, inconsistent performance at times, but really you know showed up late at the end of games. Um, but again, uh, fourth team. Over the course of his career, uh, like, no, sorry. He had settled into a backup role, got an opportunity to prove it. He didn't prove it to 40 million bucks a year. So you're going to pay him along with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and, 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 and Lamar Jackson. Do you want to pay him like that? Baker Mayfield like that? Ooh. Give me a break. Another one on the RamosLaw.com text line. This Bronco fan would be fine with, uh, with sitting a 12th pick quarterback. Again, the scenario being if the Broncos picked a, a quarterback at number 12, how would you feel if the Broncos then came out? Sean Payton came out and said, uh, we like him, but we just don't think he's ready to play yet. And so we're going to go with a bridge quarterback uh, until he's ready to go. Well, who was the last quarterback picked that high? to sit for an extended amount of time. Now, I know you're going to bring up Mahomes, but those situations were were much different. Kansas City was already a proven winner. They had gone 12-4 and four with Alex Smith. And by the way, for all the talk about you know Mahomes and the value of him sitting out a full year, anyone really think that things would have turned out differently if Mahomes had played right from the start? I don't. What about Tommy Maddox? Didn't he get drafted high here behind John Elway? I thought he got picked in the 20s, didn't he? I'm assuming somewhere but, but in there. Okay, the, first rounder. You're going back quite a ways. In in the last ten years or so. Okay. Can you think of how many quarterbacks can you think of that were drafted around, let's say anywhere in the top fifteen, that didn't play right away? Oh yeah, it's not really. Maddox was 25, by the way. Yeah, that's not really kind of how it works, though, right? Nowadays, right? Because everybody's got to sell hope and. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is, is you, you know, now that I think about it, in regards to Bo Nix, you couldn't, you probably couldn't sit him. 
I mean, he played nine years of college football. The guy's 40 already, right? So if you draft him the first round, you only got two, three years exactly. left in his prime. Exactly. I think he's 37. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude started for like started college football Cutler, for like six Cutler, years. Cutler sat. That that's a guy. I, I forgot about Jay Cutler. Yeah, Jay Cutler sat. He was picked. Uh, oh yeah, he eleven. Was the I, think. I think eleven. Yeah. Eleven. No, that's a great. That's a great one. For how long did he sit? Uh what were the Broncos? Seven and four when Mike made the sh- the the switch. Seven but again, uh, but again, uh, they picked Cutler, but Jake Plummer had. Established himself as a a starter. They had gone to the AFC Championship, right? Yeah. Before Cutler got drafted. Yeah. They, they went to the AFC they Championship. Lo- they lost to Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, Trey Lance sat. Yeah, but Trey Lance, yeah, he did. And then he got moved. And he was inactive for Dallas. Because Cooper Rush is a better option. Wow. Wow. That's so Cowboys. But San Francisco, they did win. They 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 sat Lance, but they won right away. So, and they had been winning before they drafted yeah. Lance. The Broncos haven't been winning. And so you would be you would be betting on the scenario that you would be able to bring in a bridge quarterback that would be able to quiet the masses in such a way that they would go out and mm. you know start the season you know f- four and one or something and keep everybody quiet while the bonus baby quarterback is sitting on the bench learning. Yeah, there is a guy out there that's available that we've never really Jordan Love up. Was, be- was picked in the twenties. Yeah, may had Aaron Rodgers. But there was a guy, Mike, is a guy out there in the open market that we're not talking about that's available. Really? Yeah. He's available? For a lot, nothing but good stuff about maturity. Let me hear about it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm curious. Okay, go with me on this. All right. Paxton Lynch. Oh, jeez. Somebody did bring up. Somebody brought up, and it's fair. Paxton Lynch was... Uh, 26? Although he was in the 20s, too, right? Yeah. But we had a... uh, So he sat. Yeah. He didn't get to play. Did we have a franchise quarterback at the time? Know what it's like to be a franchise quarterback? uh, No, no, no. We had T-Sim. T-Sim. The Simisiah. Guy you wanted to pay. He was a franchise. You wanted to give him $57 million. I did. I did. How'd you come up with... By the way, how'd you come up with that number? I remember that distinctly. You're like, hey, I've seen enough right now. You got to sign. He was Trevor Simeon. Yeah, I know, but it was the numbers you came up with. It was like, I've seen enough. You got to sign this was, guy. Do him like a six year deal, maybe like fifty seven million. I always think back on that. I'm like, how'd you come up with fifty seven million? I was just making it up. I know, I know you were, but why? <laughs> that's an odd number to come up with. Ah. Just, I, uh, to this day, I've always kind of wanted an the, way, for that. the way it worked was, you know, you're going to have him at a very cheap price. And knowing that a lot of it would be backloaded, you could just get rid of him if it didn't work out. It wasn't really going to cost you that much money. I think you so were saying. I, was gar- on I think something. you were saying guarantee. I was on. I think to you something. were like saying six years, fifty-seven guarantee. I was no. I never said guarantee. Did not come out of my uh, mouth. I think it did. You could doctor some audio. Well, but that's never happened. You got the masters. That's never, that. ha- that's never happened here on this show before. No, never. Ever. Nobody's ever, ever doctored ever. audio. Hey, I hate uh, Mike Channing. Gosh, <laughs> never said that. Uh, coming up, 
is the performance of the Nuggets young bench guys making a very, very difficult decision at hand for the front office with the trade deadline in the NBA coming up this week. That's next. The power's out at our house. Ah, coffee table. But since our family has storm-ready Wi-Fi from Xfinity, we can stream or game in the dark as I try and fill around for a seat. Ah, here we go. Oh, who moved the couch? Get storm-ready Wi-Fi only from Xfinity, so you can stay connected for up to four hours, even when the power goes out. Restrictions apply. Limited to customers within range of 4G LTE cellular signal. Speeds reduced to 30 slash 7 megabits per second. Actual speeds vary. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash stormready. You're going to need a bigger boat. It's time for Schlereth and Evans' big story of the day. Why is this that you're so... You're so... Big. Here's Schlereth and Evans with this morning's biggest story in Denver sports. Big mistake. Big. Huge. Do the uh, Denver Nuggets have a difficult dilemma on their hands right now? Do tell. Well, the trade deadline's coming up on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I I look at this team, and it's not about how they look during the regular season. It's not about where they finish seeded or anything like that. Okay. It's about do I feel confident that they have the team to go out and win another NBA championship? Same way I look at the Avalanche. It's I, I don't I don't I don't care what happens in the regular season. All I want to know is do they look like a Stanley Cup champion? That's all that matters. So here's here's the conundrum. You've got an NBA trade deadline coming up on Thursday. You have on your bench a couple of intriguing young prospects in, in Christian Brown and Peyton Watson. And and my question is, is should one or either or neither of them be even considered when it comes to uh, possible trades? And as you think about that, here is uh, Michael Malone talking about uh, the upcoming trade deadline this Thursday. After 50 games or a half game out of first place, are we satisfied? No. I think you always have to have the be responsible enough to look within and say, hey, can we do anything that makes us better? That's always a question you have to ask. But um, knowing Calvin and the brief conversations we've had, there is nothing where we're, Calvin's on the phones, burning up the phone lines to 29 other teams because we think that we have a tremendous starting unit, and we have some guys on our bench that are young and developing and have a chance to be really good players for years to come. Okay, that last comment. We've got some young players that are up and coming Mm -hmm. that we think can be really good pieces for years to come. But what about right now? If the goal is to win another championship right now, can you win with the bench you have right now? Basically, a, a right. three-man bench, an eight-man right. rotation, See, a three-man bench of Reggie Jackson, Peyton Watson, and Christian Brown. See, but I don't think that's—I don't think that's the question. I think you've got the bench, and I think you've got the basketball team to win right now with the bench the way it's currently constructed. But the question becomes: Can you get better if you make a move, both in the short term, but and you also have to look at it from a long-term perspective as well, because I think. Like Michael Malone said, you're half game out of first place. You're clearly, when when you're cooking, you're clearly the best team in the NBA, right? Yes. I mean, there's some, uh, Boston's a really good team. There's some other really good teams, but you're the best team in the NBA. So do you have what it takes to win? Yes. Can you get significantly better? 
And significantly better would be, is there a guy out there off the bench that can have the same type of energy your young guys have when it comes to playing def- defense and, and playing without the ball, but also affect the game from a scoring standpoint? Because if if he can't do if he can't do both, if the guy that you target can't do both, if he's just merely a scorer, does he fit into your does he fit into your culture and your philosophy of how you play basketball? It's a great point. How do you envision what you want from your bench? Are you looking for your bench to come in and, and uh, give you scoring, or are you looking for your bench to come in, play defense, mm-hmm. be be energetic, rebound, rebound, play defense, get play, on the floor, right. all that kind of stuff, and and give you that lift that you want for your starting five that way. Is that what you're looking for? I I guess it comes down to your own preference. Um, Me personally, I'd I'd love to see a little bit more scoring off the bench. Sure. I'd like to to see a a definite, this guy rolls off the bench in his instant offense. And he can go on a heater during a playoff series, Mm -hmm. during a playoff game, and he can he can win you a playoff game if one of your starters is having an off night. If Michael Porter mm-hmm. Jr. is in the midst of a uh, you know uh, uh, three for twelve night, I'd like to have another option. Right. I get. I understand that part of it. And I I, I will tell you the one thing the one cautionary tale I would have is you have to you have to make sure from a cultural standpoint. The guy fits the culture that you've established. That's fair, yeah. Um, and I think it's always one of those things that it's easy to overlook. You know, it's easy to sit there and say, yeah, but with our in our system and in our this and in, in with, with our guys, he fits. You also have to make sure that the guy you move isn't a guy that like that is going to create um, issues for your team, meaning meaning we all love that dude so much, right. and that guy's such an important part of the fabric of this team. And you've moved him, mm-hmm. and if you've moved him for a guy who doesn't fit, then that can create ripples throughout your team. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about that. I think the Nuggets are so locked in. They, well, you have they, to worry. You have to be concerned I, about the culture of your. No, 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 no. But I, I, what I'm saying is, is that I'm very confident the Nuggets know who would fit into. Okay, yeah. What they bring in. That, that you don't build something over the course of nine years like they have, and not have a real good sense about what a Denver Nugget is by this point. That I will give you. And so they. But but here's here here's my cautionary tale. And, you know, this goes back to putting Dale Carter on our team sure. back in the day. The cautionary tale is, is that you can have a locker room full of really good dudes and guys who are committed and guys who are, who are pros. It takes a very small percentage of bad dudes. Like, you always think one bad dude, oh, we'll bring him over to the right side. But that gravitational pull of that guy is exponentially greater than the pull of all the professionals. Why? I have no, Mike, I don't know. I can't answer the question why. I just have seen it over the years of, of playing that that is the case. And you talk to any guy who's played for any length of time, they'll tell you the same thing. One or two bad guys, the gravitational pull of those guys is far greater than a locker room full of good guys. 
you got to be careful. You're that right. would be my you concern. You can't mess up the dynamic. But if you're confident that the player that you'd be bringing in fits in seamlessly and, and gives you something that the team doesn't have with the idea that it could be the, the piece that gets you another championship, I just – I. I, I know it's it's difficult because you get these young prospects and you're you're always thinking, wow, we you know we we found a couple of young guys, we want to continue to develop them, we want to see what they can turn out because they're ours, just like we developed a lot of these guys on this team. But at at some point, you have to stop thinking that way and realize we're in a championship window, mm-hmm. and we and that window's not going to stay open forever. We can't be so arrogant as to think that that window's going to be open forever because it's not, and you got to go out and you got to maximize that window while you while you can and if that means giving up on a young player that you really like their their upside but you're not sure that they can help you win right now you got to be willing to move that player let me ask you this you be are you to move willing, are you willing to move mpj yes i am so it, maybe it's not one of your young players that are developing maybe it's a veteran that you don't have as much faith in i would and that would actually probably be easier to fit and match salaries and all that. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's been – I, I think he's regressed this year. I think he really has. I think he's regressed this year. So uh, if they could get a really, really strong upgrade uh, from Michael Porter Jr., I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice. Uh, up next, up next, did we just see a move over the weekend in the NFL that's going to make it real difficult for the Broncos to move up to get that coveted quarterback. That's next. Getting you set for the big game in Las Vegas. Here's Schlereth and Evans, presented by Smart Union Local 9 Sheet Metal Workers. Did it uh, become much tougher for the uh, Broncos to move up and trade for one of those top quarterbacks. So that was all the uh, the talk of the Senior Bowl, right? And the the Shrine Game. Our Cecil Lammy saying that, hey, talking to NFL scouts and the uh, the fraternity down there is that there's a lot of lot of smoke about the idea of Sean Payton wanting to move up to go after a quarterback. But did it just become tougher with the news of the weekend? Cliff Kingsbury. Why this guy is in such high demand, I have no idea, but. Cliff Kingsbury was uh, ticketed to go to the Raiders as their offensive coordinator. Then he backs out. That move falls apart quickly, and quickly, even quicker, he ends up in D.C. with the Commanders as their O.C. By the way, what this means for Eric Bieniemy, I don't know, because he's still got a year left on his contract. But uh, it would it would appear this, this move is very transparent, much like it was when the Broncos went out and hired Nathaniel Hackett to serve as a lure for a quarterback. Just like with Nathaniel Hackett, it was to lure Aaron Rodgers to come here. This would appear to be a lure for Caleb Williams as Cliff Kingsbury served as a uh, a, a coaching consultant this past year at USC. Is it that obvious to you? Yeah, I think it's pretty, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, and there is precedent. We've talked about it. John Elway saying I won't play for the Baltimore Colts, and that's how he became a Denver Bronco with a short stint with the Yankees organization. Um, we saw Eli Manning do it, where he wasn't going to play for the Chargers at the time. 
And so we've seen, you know, we've seen quarterbacks in the past, you know, puff out their chest and say, I'm just not going to play. And so, yeah, I mean, you had mentioned that Caleb Williams is from around that area, right? Yeah, D.C. area. D.C. area. Um, obviously, Cliff Kingsbury's his guy. He likes Cliff. So, yeah, that makes – that makes. so what do you do? Do you do you, you end up swap, swapping picks um, and then giving whatever you have to give? Maybe there's a player involved. I don't know. But Chicago, I mean, at this particular point in time, like how, how does Chicago evaluate the quarterbacks in this draft? Could you swap from one to two and still get the guy you want? Maybe it's Drake May. Well, let's let's deconstruct this then, then a little bit. Let, let's back up a little bit. Let, let's start with the idea. Do you think the Bears are absolutely determined to move on from Justin Fields? I do, I, and I think there's I think there's several reasons. I think one, <clears throat> I really like I like Justin, and I think he's grown a ton. He is, I mean, I think he's grown a ton. But is his game transcendent? Does his game equate to championship level or caliber football? Is his game sustainable? I think you have to ask all those questions. And ultimately, if you ask those questions, your answer is going to be no, based upon his game is not sustainable. When you talk to D coordinators and head coaches about defending the Chicago Bears, what do they say? They don't say, hey, man, this guy's going to eviscerate you from the pocket. Hey, man, this guy is going to, you know, they say, it's the deep ball off the play action, but really what it is is his ability to run the ball. His ability to create opportunity in the run game, the play action game, because of the way he becomes a ball carrier, because the uneven numbers that he creates in the rushing game, in the running game, and because of what he does for the running backs because he's a threat. So ultimately it's the same thing as, and I know there's a lot of people that don't want to hear this, it's the same thing I hear when I talk to defense coordinators about Lamar, Lamar Jackson is not, it's it's not about, oh, he's mature and he's a much better passer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's all true. What do the coordinators say? Make him beat us from the pocket. We don't believe that's his strong suit. We don't believe he can. Now, if you allow them to run the ball and allow him to affect you in the run game and then allow him to set up his play action and scramble around and do all that stuff, you're screwed. He, he'll beat you. But if you make him play the style with which he is not efficient at playing, you got a chance. See, I was hoping, from a Bronco standpoint, I was hoping <clears throat> that you would say that there was still a chance that Chicago would want to stay with Justin Fields. Because if <clears throat> if they're gonna if they're hell bent on moving on from Fields, then I just don't see how the Broncos well, I, I think you have get to, their get a quarterback. There. I think because the to, Bears right. will, will want a quarterback. And if right. Caleb Williams wants to go play for Cliff Kingsbury in D.C. and go back home, then Washington's going to take a quarterback. Right. Now you've just really eliminated where, where, who are you going to trade up with. Right. You're not going to – I don't think anybody. I don't think you're going to get one of those – I don't – I mean, I think there's no way you're going to trade up to – you're going to trade up high enough to grab one of the top three. I just don't think there's any way that's going to happen. I don't think happen. so either. And, 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 and if, if Chicago still – if 
if Chicago is willing well, to hold on to Fields, then then yes. Yeah, well, but here's the other part about the Fields thing. Uh, like, okay, if you don't think it's sustainable, his style of play is not sustainable, and and it's not. I mean, he's missed he's missed time with concussions. He's missed time with he dislocated his thumb on an innocuous slide down. Like like, and people say, well, anybody could have done that. Yeah, but when you run it that that often, the odds of that happening to you become greatly increased. Um, I called a game in Detroit where he, I thought he got decapitated. Now he popped right up from it, but it was one of the harder hits I saw all year. And like, I'm on the broadcast. I was like, Oh, oof. it was ugly. You know, a little read option off the edge. But here's the other thing you have to ask yourself. If you're the bears, do you want to spend $150 million on that dude? Cause you're gonna have to sign him to a contract. Right. And my answer is right. absolutely not. Right. You keep the kid. You, hey, hey, man, you, you you already picked up. You already decided to retain Eberflus, so you made that you made that decision. I think you buy yourself if you're um, Ryan Poles, the GM. You buy yourself a little bit of more time, drafting a quarterback, and now you have another two years to develop the guy. Like, and and if it doesn't work out, and you get Caleb or you get somebody else. Then you say, well, it's time for Eberflus to go. I mean, you save as a GM, you save your you you've, you've saved your neck. Texter says on the Ramoslaw.com text line, Justin Fields can ball. I'd love to see him in Denver, but you got to get more talent around him. See, I, I your definition of he can ball, I guess, is is what where we park company mm-hmm. because I can he run around? Is he exciting? Is he dynamic? Yes. Uh, can he can he? Can he make some plays with his legs? Yeah, but if we've seen anything over the years watching what wins big, what wins Super Bowls, and I assume that the winning of a Super Bowl is still what matters and what the standard is around here, mm-hmm. then there's no evidence yet to suggest that a running quarterback wins Super Bowls. There's zero. Right. You have to have a quarterback to win big in this league that can just slice and dice from the pocket. And if he can run as well, that's an added bonus. But the the baseline has got to be he just dominates from the pocket. And, and Justin Fields does not ball in that category. He does not. No. And unless you think he can become that kind of quarterback, then you got to stay away from him. I, I'm telling you, I'm a, I like, as a guy, I really like Justin Fields. And I thought he showed an incredible amount of maturity and growth has over the last couple of years, and I think he's become a much better uh, guy out of the pocket as long as, okay, as long as all the other aspects of his game are on full display. But <clears throat> that's when it's easy. When, you, when you're getting in, you know, two tight end formations, solo or west, or, you know, you got two backs and, like, when you're in those formations and Justin is is exploiting the edge and you're capturing the perimeter of the defense, you're going to get, you know, eight guys in the box. You're going to get a single high matchups. You know, you're going to have access to the outside to throw it. Like, all those things are going to be true. Yes, you can operate. When all of a sudden that stuff is not, is he going to beat you sitting in the pocket in a dropback game? And the answer is absolutely, to, to this point, Absolutely not. Uh, very quickly, is Patrick Mahomes a pocket quarterback? Absolutely. 
Does he operate by that 70-30 rule that you say 70, 70% of the time you're just playing quarterback? Yes, okay. and that 30% of the time when he does operate off schedule, he's a freaking magician. There you go. Coming up next, how will the Zach Parise edition work for the Avalanche beginning tonight? That's next.